Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. There are times I present a topic on this podcast, or I'm inspired to talk about a particular subject, and as I compose my thoughts, I sometimes wonder, am I saying something that the majority of my listeners already know? Have I been misled, bamboozled, flimflammed, hoodwinked, cozened, snookered, duped, taken for a ride by a few outraged stooges on social media crowing about something or other that is rooted in a falsehood? But then I just considered that some of the comments that I'm struggling with concerning Kyrie Irving have come not from social media trolls, but from actual, well, not just NBA players, but NBA players with notable pedigrees, NBA players that I know well and have immense respect for as players and as students of the game. And that's what has inspired me to talk about this particular subject in this particular episode, which is Kyrie Irving and where we place him as a point guard in the history of the NBA. Those players, by the way, with notable pedigrees, players that I know well and have immense respect for as players and as students of the game, start with Chauncey Billups, who's now head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, but the finals MVP for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, his fearlessness in that series being a key component in the Pistons upsetting Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and what I like to look at or refer to as the first rendition of the Lakers we're seeing today. The let's gather up as many legendary names as we can, no matter how old they might be, Lakers. And for those who may not know, Billups is 
directly responsible for the best years of Carmelo Anthony's career, enjoyed in Denver and New York with Billups as his point guard. Billups was the floor leader and pace setter and business-like personality that then allowed Melo to be Melo, one of the most dynamic inside-outside scorers the league has ever seen. Jason Kidd served a similar role for Melo on the national team, which is also a place where we've seen the best of Carmelo Anthony. Billups is the one who recently said, that Kyrie is the most skilled player to ever play point guard, which is an extraordinary compliment. I mean, you think about some of the guys that have played that position. I'll just, just start with Magic Johnson. I could, I could start and stop right there. The skill that Magic Johnson displayed as a 6'8", 6'9", point guard. The passing wizardry of Magic Johnson. Phillips is saying that Kyrie is more skilled. Uh, Andre Iguodala has been just as effusive, saying that Kyrie certainly deserved to be among the league's 75 all-time great players announced earlier this season, and that he's the fourth best point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, and Isaiah Thomas. That's the Isaiah two eyes, one A of Detroit Pistons fame, Isaiah Thomas. Now, I agree with Iguodala and Billups that Kyrie's handle and ability to change direction off the dribble are as good as any player I've ever seen. His ability to create and make a shot from anywhere on the floor is pretty high on the list as well. But that's where the accolades for me end. And if anyone should be able to recognize the elements of the game that Kyrie does not seem to take into account. Time, score, effort on defense, manipulating the other team's defense for the sake of his teammates. I would think it would be Billups and Iguodala because they are two guys who did that in their careers and certainly recognize when it is done and when it is done correctly. Now, Billups, to his credit, did seem to acknowledge that, saying several times that he was talking about skill and nothing else. But how do you talk about someone being an all-time great point guard? Point guard, if we're talking strictly skill. The position demands so much more than just the ability to break a defender down and score. And that's what Kyrie's mastery, his brilliance, that's, that's where it resides. So, I'll share a few things I know about Billups and Iggy that might explain why they are Kyrie devotees. First, both of them are rebels, independent thinkers, anti-authoritarians. Billups had his career kicked sideways. I don't know if Billups was this way beforehand, before he got into the league. I can just tell you that when he arrived, he had his career kicked sideways by Rick Pitino in Boston at the start. And while he was a disciple of playing fundamentally sound basketball, he was damn near a journeyman at the start of his career because of coaches and GMs who overlooked his abilities, particularly those as a floor leader. He also was one of the early scoring point guards. 
only averaging seven or more assists three times in a 17-year career. It wasn't as if he was always looking to score. He moved the ball. He just didn't necessarily create wide-open shots for anybody. He, he was, when it came to running an offense, he was a manager. Now, he could score. He was fearless in taking a shot with the game on the line, completely confident in his own abilities when it came to that, but wasn't selfish, wasn't self-centered when it came to trying to score. And what he did is, more than anything, is he took care of the ball as well as anyone, never averaging more than two and a half turnovers in any one season. He used his thick frame and notable strength to protect the ball at all costs. He was, when when Billups had the ball, Billups was not going to lose it. And he was not going to make a foolish pass that was going to send the uh, opposition the other way on a fast break. And, and in part, the era that he played in. These were... 80-point, 90-point games, you couldn't afford that. A turnover or two could be the difference in the game. And the game was also, to be fair, played at a slower pace, far more physical, played into Chauncey's strengths. So if anyone, regardless of the shift in the way the game is played, if anyone's going to appreciate or relate to what Kyrie does as a so-called point guard, it's Billups. Billups had a career average of 5.4 assists a game. Care to guess what Kyrie's career average is? 5.7. Kyrie's also pretty good about taking care of the ball with a career average of 2.6 turnovers. That's remarkable in today's game. Now, Billups also did say that Kyrie's passing is underrated, And I'd say in one respect, that's true. Kyrie does see the floor and he will give it up and find someone and put the the ball where it needs to be put if someone is open. The distinction is that I rarely see Kyrie attack with the idea of getting a teammate an open look. Kyrie is looking to score. And if his effort in that department draws so much attention that he can't, then he will move the ball. But there's a sizable difference in approach between those two. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Iguodala's appreciation of Kyrie is more direct. In fact, he's alluded to it in his comments, that the reason 
he believes Kyrie's skills aren't recognized as fully as they should be is because, and I quote, his mind is too free. That's Iguodala explaining why, I don't know if it's media, fans, whoever, that uh, they refuse to, ref- to recognize Kyrie and all of his greatness because he's too much of a free thinker. Well, I- Iggy, you should know, and maybe you do, Iggy is a contrarian of the first order. He is skeptical of the status quo from the word go. He suspects anything labeled as conventional or the norm. And obviously, Kyrie has been on a crusade for a number of years now to demonstrate that he's an out-of-the-box thinker and doer from questioning whether the players should be playing in the bubble in Orlando to not getting vaccinated to saying he's too upset to answer questions after playing a game because of the social injustices happening in the world. He, that All of that. Uh, and Kyrie's uh, paying attention to it or not allowing anybody to prevent him from doing whatever he feels he should do, that speaks to Iguodala's heart. Now, Iguodala may not challenge authority the way Kyrie does, but I have no doubt he admires it and cheers for it. Kyrie essentially is doing all the things that I think Iguodala would love to do if he didn't feel a little bit more responsible to those around him. Now, that, of course, has little to do with where we rank someone as a point guard. Their their liberalism or their free thinking or their view uh, views, progressive or otherwise. I, I could even make the argument that it, it could be viewed as undermining their rank as a point guard because, once again, the position is about more than simply skill. It's about your ability to bring a team together and organize it. And whether you're looking at the Nets or the Celtics, or the Cavs, I dare say you've never looked at Kyrie Irving and said he's the organizer of that team. You may have many other accolades, many other great things to say about Kyrie and his influence on a game. Organizing it, making others better, making the game easier for them. Mm, You're going to have to show me some examples of Kyrie doing that on a regular basis. Now, I'll be straight up about one of my main issues with Kyrie, and it has little to do with him on the court. It's the contradiction he presents off of it. On one hand, he professes to be a voice for the voiceless, a man of the people, concerned with the average man, woman, and child out there. I guess the message hasn't been completely clear, but concern over their losing their jobs or opportunities because of COVID vaccination requirements, even though the choice he is making in no way equates with theirs. Let's face it, not everybody has a $100 million contract or those eight, nine, ten figures in the bank in order to do what we want. I actually don't even know who the they are that he's speaking on behalf of, since I haven't heard of massive waves of people being laid off because they choose not to get vaccinated. But that's not the part that grates on me. It's the talk of being a man of the people 
and then at the same time talking incessantly about the legacy he's writing in the NBA and raising his level of mastery and continuing to set an example. Who talks like that? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like someone saying, yeah, I'm just going to continue working on being legendary. As if Kyrie already has reached legendary status. And now he's just sanding and polishing the statue that will be erected in his honor. And maybe it's me. Uh, Look, I'm as confident and as cocky as they come. But there's just certain ways I could never talk about myself or my work. It all sounds too self-important the way Kyrie talks. When I think about legacy, I think about one thing. My kids. Who they are as people. How I've raised them. And what they think of me as a father. That's it. Have I and do I continue to have professional aspirations? Absolutely. There was a time when I aspired to be the foremost authority on everything going on in the NBA. I wasn't afraid to tell anyone that was my aspiration. Now, I pick my spots. I talk about the parts of the NBA that I still feel I have the authority to talk about, utilizing all the knowledge I've gathered over the years to inform what is going on in the league today, to give everything context, if you will. And with so few people of my experience still having a platform as big as mine, I believe that has particular value. Now, did I ever reach that goal of being the foremost authority? I'd like to think there was a stretch of years when I was at ESPN that I did, that certainly no one knew more than I did about what was going on in the league on a daily basis. But there's no way to definitively claim or prove that, and it's, it's really not up to me to decide. And I never looked at it as... I'm going to reach this goal. If I do this thing, then I will have achieved it. It's not possible when it comes to sports or entertainment or anything that is subjective in the public eye. There's no way to definitively claim or prove that I was the foremost authority or what legacy Kyrie is leaving, as as if he could uh, determine that himself. It's not up to him to decide that. It's not up to me to decide what I what my legacy is. I just it sounds funny even saying it. Would I ever talk about my mastery of the English language or leaving a legacy for future NBA TV analysts? I got to tell you it, it's it's it is it seems hilarious for me to even think in those terms because I immediately think about all the people have who have done it and who will do it after me and uh, who am i to say that i'm i have a legacy i it just um it makes me squirm just to imagine talking that way because whatever i accomplish professionally is not for me to decide how it is viewed or whether it's useful to the next generation, which is really what we're talking about when we talk about legacy. Whatever Kyrie does, and up until now, 
it's hard for me to look at his career as some sort of model I'd tell other young players to follow. Whatever he does, the public, historians, subsequent players, everybody except Kyrie will determine its value and importance in the scope of the league's history. They will ultimately decide if he has a legacy and how it's written. And that goes for all of us. And the fact that Kyrie seems to be oblivious to that or seems to think that he can write his own legacy just seems incredibly naive for someone who likes to think of himself or present himself as a deep, thoughtful thinker. Now, if and when they, historians, the public, media, whoever, write Kyrie's legacy, the first step, as I see it, that's going to need to be taken is to take him out of the point guard conversation. That's the problem. That's the issue. He's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. That's what he does best. He shoots. He creates shots. And then he shoots them. He has played 586 regular season games and he has collected double-digit assists in exactly 56. That's one out of every dozen. He has had five games where he did not register a single assist. Now, that would seem virtually impossible for a point guard, wouldn't it? Especially a point guard of Kyrie's ability, averaging the kind of nightly minutes Kyrie averages, the number of touches that he gets, the number of freedom that he's had on practically every team he's played for. Now, there's no shame in Kyrie being recognized as shooting guard rather than a point guard. It just makes it easier to gauge what he does and how he does it. Shooting guards are not looked to be floor generals or team leaders or decision makers. And that's, I suppose, the rub for me with Kyrie is because he's none of those things. It's a great shooting guard. He's not a floor general, a team leader, or a decision maker. Michael Jordan was the rare exception as a two guard who was a floor general, a team leader, and a decision maker, which is why it might be fair to say Steph Curry revolutionized the sport more than Michael did because no one other than Kobe Bryant has ever come close to replicating what Michael did as a shooting guard. You can't really revolutionize something if you do something and then nobody else is able to do it. And what Michael did is dominate the position, that position at both ends of the floor to the point that it distorted the game in a way that forced opponents to abandon their normal system of play. He became the first playmaking post-up two guard in a world that was point guards getting the ball up the floor and feeding it to bigs and playing through the power positions. Michael dominated the position at both ends of the floor to the point that it distorted the game in a way that forced opponents to abandon their normal system of play. So in that respect, he revolutionized it in that he forced everybody to deal with a different way of playing the game. I don't know that they replicated it, not as if everybody suddenly 
was looking for playmaking two guards because you weren't going to find any that were like Jordan. But it did did shift the way the game was played. Did make it. I think he he was the bellwether or the canary in the coal mine that started to shift the game to more of a guard-oriented style of play, which is obviously the way the game is played today on steroids. Because Michael did make plays as a two-guard. He dictated the offense. He set the tempo as a shooting guard. But that's not what the vast majority of shooting guards do. They do what Kyrie does. They attack. They score. The problem with what I'm proposing is that it diminishes the whole notion of Kyrie as a demigod, as a unicorn, someone who is recreating the game as a legacy to be handed down to the next generation of ballers. It puts him instead in the category of a wildly skilled shooting guard in need of a true point guard to actually accomplish anything that would be viewed as legendary. And his career is a testament to that very thing. When he had LeBron as a playmaker slash point forward, he was putting together extraordinary legend-building accomplishments. Since then, he's been pretty much without one and has struggled as a result, especially when he's presented himself as the point guard, as he did in Boston. That really didn't work. Why? Because he isn't one. And he never has been. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, well, I'm not sure where we're going to go. I mentioned a number of topics that I want to hit that I came up with during my week off and I may hit one of those if you're interested in exactly what they are. They were in the previous episode. Or looking at how we're closing in on the trade deadline and the fact that we're hitting the midpoint in the season and I'm writing a couple pieces for foxsports.com that address where we stand with contenders, etc. at this point in the season. I may have to go in that direction. So... We shall see. Tune in and find out. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.